So we have been in a series for the month of October uh, on the Reformation, celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, talking about why the, the, the teachings and the values of the Reformation that started 500 years ago matter for us as a church today, why we uh, confidently stand as Protestants here in Bellevue, Nebraska, the year 2017. Uh, so the past month has been just a time to reflect on our heritage and the, the biblical doctrines that we identify with as Protestants. And so for our, our final message this morning, I want to get into this topic by asking you this question. What do you think of my job being a pastor? Some of you are probably thinking, man, I'd love a job where I only had to work one day a week. As some of you maybe ask, what, what, what do you really do other than read the Bible and write sermons? Good question. Someday we can sit down and I can tell you everything that I do. <clears throat> but let me ask this question. Do you think that my job is more spiritual than yours? Meaning, amen. Meaning, do you believe that my job puts you, or put, my job puts me in closer connection to the Lord than yours? I I have heard pastors and I have heard well-meaning people talk about being a pastor as sort of the highest job you could ever have, the highest calling you could ever have, a a job that sort of has this special significance and status. And part of me wanted to, to sort of say in the moment, you know, that has more in common with medieval Roman Catholic teaching than it does Protestant teaching. And so I want us to consider this, this doctrine of work, this doctrine of vocation. This was something that came out of the Reformation that revolutionized the way people thought about their work and thought about their lives because it dropped the, the teaching that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ right down into people's laps and affected how they lived. And so as the gospel sets people free spiritually, it also sets them free to experience work as a good gift that brings glory to God and demonstrates love for others. And so rather than approaching some work as spiritual and some as secular, rather than working to gain identity and acceptance from God and others, work flows out of the freedom we have in Christ to glorify God and serve others. This is a beautiful implication of the doctrine of salvation that came out of the Reformation. And so here's the main point I want us to take home today. We don't work for identity and acceptance. Rather, because we have been given an identity and we are accepted through Jesus Christ, we work for the good of others and the glory of God. So let's talk a little bit about identity and acceptance first. Because if we're going to talk about what it means to work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, as our passage this morning said, we need to get some things straight about identity and acceptance. So if you were here for our first message, we talked about this, this idea of how one is justified and made righteous before God. And we spent some time comparing the, the Roman Catholic position and the Protestant position. And the Roman Catholic Church teaches that justification, or how I'm made right with God, and righteousness are accomplished through grace that we receive through the sacraments. Because we're sinners, we need the grace of the sacrament of baptism to cleanse us from original sin. And then, because we continue to sin, we need the grace of the sacrament of penance and the grace of the sacrament of the Eucharist to restore righteousness in us when we sin. Through the sacraments, God infuses righteousness in us, according to Roman Catholic teaching, that I might become righteous. 
And that righteousness is ultimately the basis for my justification. So in other words, God helps me become righteous through the grace of the sacraments in order that I can stand righteous before him. And so it's with God's help that I become righteous and acceptable. And it is this ongoing process throughout my life. Well, if this is the way one is made righteous before God, then it's easy to see why medieval Roman Catholic teaching held that religious work, religious activity, was significantly more important than ordinary work. There was a strong divide between the secular, the secular and the sacred. And it, it goes, sort of follows logically then, because bishops and priests and monks and nuns devoted themselves fully to religious activity, while then those jobs, those vocations, were especially spiritual and put one in closer connection to God because the work that they did was the important work. So we have a two-sided problem here. One, works are a part of my justification. I need my works with God's help, but I need my works to stand righteous before God and to be accepted by him. And then two, it's only a certain kind of work that matters. Only a certain kind of work that puts me closer to God. And so my everyday ordinary life, while not pointless, carries significantly less importance than the work that I do on a Sunday morning or the religious work that I might do throughout my life. And the reformers came, came across this teaching and they said, time out. One, we're not made righteous and we're not justified before God by our works. Justification is a gift as Ephesians 2 says, for by grace have you been saved. It's not of works. There's a, no man may boast. Righteousness before God isn't accomplished through receiving the grace of the sacraments, whereby you're empowered to walk and work in a way that makes you righteous before God. Righteousness before God is a gift through Jesus Christ that we receive by faith. And so to put it another way, you don't work for an identity. You don't work for acceptance. You don't work for righteous standing before God. Rather, you have been given identity through Christ. You are accepted in Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ all as a free gift of grace that you receive by faith. And so your work, spiritual or otherwise, isn't the means to an identity and isn't the means to acceptance. But let's be honest. Can we for a moment? We may get this. Oh, we may get this in our head. We may get this largely in how we live our lives, but how often do we still run at identity and acceptance through our work? And we can be wonderfully selective too. Like we take a certain aspect of our work we feel pretty confident in, and, and then we feel like that is going to be the thing that I can really build my identity in because I'm good and people will see me as good as at that job. And so we grab our work, we grab the things that we do that occupy our time so often to find an identity and to be accepted with others. So, so let me ask you this morning, where are you selective? Where have you chosen to sort of carve out space in the work that you do and say, hey, this is where I find my identity and acceptance. Now, again, it's not necessarily that we do this kind of up front and we're aware of it, we don't go, I'm going to wake up and today I'm going to find my identity through this. No, it's subtle. It's subtle. So how do we know? How do we know? Well, how about this? What happens 
When you poured your heart and your soul into your work and instead of success, you get frustration and failure. Like you've given your something, you're giving yourself to something that's valuable and important and the outcome wasn't what you wanted it to be. How do you respond? I mean, yes, work is challenging and we want to be fruitful in our work and so it's good to want to be successful and, and to want to accomplish that we, what we set out to work for. But what happens when frustration and failure hits? Do we resort to anger and, and, and sort of sinful pouting Self-pity? Do we, do we try to hide and make excuses for, for why we failed? Or how about this? Do we justify laziness and passivity in our job because of the way our boss and coworkers treat us and we think the work that we're doing is beneath us? Or, or how about this? Sometimes when we're pushed on being a workaholic, like, hey, you work too much, or hey, maybe you're making work too big of a deal, we push back and say, well, I'm a hardworking dude. I'm a hardworking gal. I live in the Midwest. In the Midwest, we work hard. And so we, we couch our idolatry and, and we couch our attempt to grab identity and acceptance in our work behind a Midwestern work ethic. And yeah, it's good to work hard. We should work hard. But are we working hard for the glory of God and the good of others? Or are we working hard because it makes me feel good and look good and I'm accepted in front of everybody? Or how about this? Do you ever demean and degrade the work of others? Uh, I, I, when, when, it was probably a couple of years ago when I was doing some reading on work and, and kind of work idolatry and just the value of work, I, the Lord just floored me when, when he convicted me, hey, how often are you making fun of the person who works at McDonald's? Like how many times does that joke come out of your mouth? How many times have we looked at honest, hard work and sort of demeaned it as, hey, that doesn't require a college education, so it's below me. Inside that is, hey, if I push this work down, my work is going to look better. There's my identity. There's my acceptance. How about this? Do you rest? Do you disengage from the work most tempting to find your identity, and do you step back from it and rest? Oh man, this one hits home because it's really easy for me to work all the time because I really love what I do. But do we rest? Do we say, Lord, I'm going to step away from this and let you, it's in your hands, it's in your control and I'm going to rest because I'm not sovereign and my identity isn't in this. I don't need this to be accepted and so I can step away for a time and rest. And can we be honest? If, if we do an a heart level assessment of the ways we find our identity and acceptance in work. Just the question, do our attempts to construct our own identity out of work, does this get you anywhere? Are you happy doing that? Are you fulfilled doing that? Do you have joy? Let me ask this, are you energized or are you worn out? Are do, do, do you feel the sense of freedom in that or does it, is it a burden? When, when the sting and the pain of frustration in work come crashing in, do you ever have those moments where you realize how empty and fleeting and exhausting building your identity in work can be? And this is why the Reformation doctrine of vocation is important because it reminds us this. 
We no longer work for our identity. Salvation is in Christ. Justification is in Christ. Righteousness is in Christ. Forgiveness is in Christ. Acceptance is in Christ. Love is in Christ. And all those things being true, our work is transformed into something not that we have to grab hold of to find our identity, but something we can live in in freedom to serve others and glorify God. And so when we believe and grasp the truth that our identity and acceptance are found in Christ, then work becomes a source of love and for the glory of God. We, we, write, we heartily work for the Lord and not for men when we properly understand how Christ has set us free to work for the love of others and the glory of God. Now, I want to I make an important caveat here, and I think this just goes without saying, but, but what I'm talking about when I'm getting into work, and I'm talking about non-sinful and non-dehumanizing work, okay, there, there are categories of work that, that are sort of outside the bounds of what I'm going to say, but, but we know that, okay? So we just kind of have that caveat, but it's just kind of throw that out there for a second, just so it's clear. But being set free to work for the good of others and the glory of God means that we view it less about us and more about others. Here's what Martin Luther wrote. Man needs none of these things for his righteousness and salvation. Talking about good works and good deeds and our, and our jobs. Therefore, he should be guided in all his works by this thought and contemplate this one thing alone. That he may serve and benefit others in all that he does considering nothing except the need and the advantage of his neighbor. So Luther had this brilliant way of framing this. He pushed the issue, he goes, look, your good works, your good deeds, God doesn't need them in the sense that he doesn't need you to do them to be righteous. We don't need them to be accepted by God because everything is through Christ. And so a good works are completely detached from us being about us or somehow we're doing this for the Lord as if we're trying to impress him or earn something from him. So if they're not for us and about us, we don't need them and God doesn't need them. Who needs them? Our neighbor, our family member, our friends, our coworkers, those that we can love and bless through our good works. And so through this doctrine of vocation and ju- that, that Luther put forward saying that justification through Christ sets you free to love people. Because when I'm not working for an identity and acceptance, I'm free to say, hey, let me serve and love you. And not to impress people or to get status from them because that's working for them. That's working for man. Rather, work to love them, to uplift them, to serve them. And in loving and uplifting and serving them out of freedom in the gospel, you're working for the Lord. You're glorifying him. And hear me on this. This is true whether you're closing a million dollar deal, whether you're pastoring a church, whether you're cleaning toilets, whether you're changing diapers, whether you're driving a truck, whether you're a lawyer, a banker, a stay-at-home mom, a teacher, a businessman, you name it. It is the means by which you can love your neighbor and glorify God in this world. All work because our acceptance and our identity are through Jesus Christ. No work is more spiritual than any other. Your job at McDonald's is no more spiritual than my job pastoring First City Church. 
because our acceptance and our identity are not in our work. And so resting in that means that you can see your job as the means to glorify God and love people no matter what you do. Or to put it another way, God uses your work to glorify himself and point others to his glory. Luther wrote this, God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. God is working through you to glorify himself. And so when we are set free by the gospel, when we're set free from having to earn our identity and acceptance, this is how we are set free to work heartily as for the Lord and not men. And when the frustration and failures come, when the the difficulties and challenges of working in a broken world keep pressing in and, and you're feeling that pain and feeling that frustration, when you rest in the fact that you know that your identity and acceptance aren't in your work, as painful as it can get, you don't need to be crushed. You don't need to fall into anger. You don't need to demean other people's work. You don't need to hide behind a Midwestern work ethic in in order to justify working harder and harder and harder to grab an identity. You can have confidence knowing that God is genuinely going to use your work. He genuinely values it and is working through it, even when it gets difficult. So keep pressing, keep pushing, keep enduring. You don't have to give up. In fact, because you're set free, it actually gives you more energy and motivation because you know, hey, even if this goes badly, God loves me and I'm accepted before him so I can keep trying. I can keep doing, I can keep serving. And you know your work is not in vain because you know you belong to a greater kingdom. And when that kingdom comes and is fully realized and God sets to right everything that is broken, your work you will see that your work has not been in vain and God has used it. Now, some of you in here, you may not particularly like your job and you're looking for another one and that's okay. But know that while you are in that job, you still have the means to work for the good of others and the glory of God. So in conclusion, I want to look at verse 24 here for a second because it's kind of a contradiction in terms. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You you don't earn an inheritance. You gain it as a gift by virtue of your status in a family. You earn a reward. So, So how can an inheritance be a reward? Or how can a reward be an inheritance? Well, in the context of Colossians 2, Paul's talking about motivation for work. Working for status and acceptance and identity, working for men, that leads to a a type of reward. Pride, exhaustion, fleeting praise, losing time with your family, suffering spiritually, suffering relationally. Like there's a type of reward that comes when we work for the praise of men, when our motivation is about our identity and our acceptance. However, working for the Lord, working for his glory also brings a reward. The the reward that we get when we work out, I'm I'm not after an identity, I'm not after an acceptance. You're like, well, what do I get? Well, you're getting an inheritance given to you. I've stopped trying to earn and my reward, I know my reward, what keeps me working, what keeps me serving is I know my reward 
is an inheritance, a gift of grace that Jesus Christ accomplished. The blessing of knowing him, the blessing of being part of his kingdom, the blessing of being part of a world that is going to be fully restored. And so my reward, what's coming for me, why I keep serving and loving, even in the midst of challenge and hardship, is because I know I have an inheritance that is coming, purchased by Jesus Christ. So that's our great reward and hope in the midst of working. We know that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. And that brings an inheritance that God lovingly shares with his people. That's how this important Reformation teaching drops right into our laps and affects us in our work week. And so church, let me encourage you. Work out of the freedom that you have and the identity that you've been given. Because that is where you're going to experience the grace of God in powerful ways. Amen?